Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Wednesday, January 12th, 2022. It has been 10 weeks since Marvel's Eternals first opened in theaters back on November 5th of last year. And Aaron, uh, you just got to see that Chloe Zhao movie when it finally premiered earlier today on Disney Plus, right? Yes. Would you be okay with holding your thoughts on that film till we get to the second half of today's show? Or I would be more than happy to. Otherwise, it's going to start off the show with an hour-long dissertation of why The Eternals is awesome. So let's let's hold that for a minute. Okay, that's all right. That, that I was not expecting that, but okay, that, I look forward to this. All right, but again, second half of the show, folks, and we typically do the news in the first half. And speaking of the news, news portion of this week's marvelous Disney is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Okay, Aaron, I don't need to tell you that Spider-Man No Way Home continues to chug along quite happily at the box office, fourth week as number one domestic. In that short amount of time, 28 days, this John Watts movie has sold $668.7 million worth of tickets in North America, which beats the box office total for James Cameron's Titanic. From back in 97, 98. Uh, I bet if you were to adjust for inflation, it hasn't crossed that mark just yet, right? I, I knew you were going to bring that up. So I actually got the inflation calculator, and you are correct. Depending on whether you go with 1997 ticket prices or 1998 ticket prices, Titanic sold $1.1 billion worth of tickets in North America during that period. So if we take in the worldwide ticket sales of Spider-Man No Way Home. It's now the eighth highest grossing film ever with 1.53 billion worth of worldwide tickets. That's more than the original Avengers made in 2012 and Age of Ultron uh, in 2015. So when you factor in the 880 million worth of tickets that Homecoming sold back in 2017, the $1.13 billion worth of tickets that Far From Home sold back in 2019, the Tom Holland trilogy has earned over $3.5 billion worldwide. And No Way Home hasn't opened in China yet. Right. And given what's going on, I wonder if it ever will. So is it a surprise to learn that Marvel wants to keep John Watts on the premises? Where that gets complicated is Watts has already committed to working on a reboot of the Final Destination films. Uh, That's his... his, What? hmm? Wait a minute. No, though, that that had to be an April Fool's Hmm. joke or some sort of mischievous prank pulled by some college student. Uh, Did you say Final Destination reboot? Oh, yes. I I can't fathom how or why when when you're on top of the world like that and hooked up with Marvel. What would draw you to... Reboot Final Destination. It turns out he was a fan of the original films. He's making this for new line, and it will then air on HBO Max as Final Destination 6. That's at least the tentative title. There is also the rather large pile of money that he was offered. But speaking of very large things that are being dangled in front of Mr. Watts, 
Kevin Feige uh, has supposedly come back with a pretty large offering, which is to direct the Fantastic Four reboot. How would you feel about that, Aaron? Well, beats the shit out of a Final Destination reboot. So, yeah, I'm all for it. Nope. Why not? Okay. Okay. So we're going to wait and see what actually happens there. Uh, well, wait a minute. Hold on. Before we do that, mm -hmm. I feel like we've got our Jenga pile all out of disarray here. What about other Spider-Man movies? Are they not inviting him back to do more of those? Weren't those a success? Weren't the $3.5 enough to uh, keep him on the straight and narrow of the Spider-Man path? Well... Why do we got to shuffle him over to Fantastic Four? Find a different director, guys. He's busy making Spider-Man movies until we all croak. There is, you know, you have to understand that that Disney and Sony, remember. It, oh, it, yeah, they haven't worked out a deal yet. Okay, case closed, moving on, I gotcha. There we go. As far as Mr. Feige is concerned, having John work on a strictly Marvel-only project as opposed to a Disney-slash-Sony project makes a little more sense. Oh, by the way, teeny tiny correction on last week's show. Okay. I reported that Spider-Man No Way Home would be released digitally on March 1st, seven weeks from today. According to Voodoo, the digital release of this John Watts film will actually be one day earlier on February 28th. Though neither Disney nor Sony has confirmed this digital release date yet, and that Voodoo, which is currently accepting pre-orders for this Columbia Pictures release, as is Amazon, Apple TV, Google Play, and the Microsoft Store. After they released the February 28th, they then scrubbed it off of their online listing. So I, I don't know if that means we're correct, Aaron, or... No, that means as far as Marvel and Sony are concerned, this will never, ever come out on digital or Blu-ray or ever have a home release. The only way you can see it is today, in theaters, right now. Mm. If you go Fandango yourself a ticket, that's the only way you'll ever be able to see this film. They're not going to promote it until Spider-Man has been uh, forced out of theaters, evicted somehow. It's interesting you say that because this weekend is when the Scream reboot. And again, you know, just... I heard that it was really good. I've heard that as well. But it's going to be interesting to see how it does this coming weekend when it's released domestically because Spider-Man No Way Home... Just this past weekend, did $33 million, which in the pandemic is a great opening weekend, let alone your fourth weekend in theaters. By the way, for that film that is not coming out on digital anytime soon, how, how could you even think that? You can order your copy from Amazon, Apple TV, Avudu, Google Play, and the Microsoft Store for $19.99. So again, it would be interesting to see whether or not it's February 28th or March 1st. Also, I'm going to be genuinely intrigued to see what we get for deleted scenes with No Way Home because just this past weekend, word leaked about a number of scenes featuring Charlie Cox's Matt Murdock that were shot for, for No Way Home and then cut out. Largely, reportedly, out of concern that moviegoers might think they were then being set up for Daredevil to make a prominent appearance later on in this movie. As No Way Home screenwriters Eric Summers and Chris McKenna explained in a recent interview with Variety, as they were developing this continuation of Spider-Man Far From Home, Summers says, someone on the creative team suggested that Matt Murdock should be Peter Parker's lawyer. 
more to the point that we should get Charlie Cox from the Daredevil Netflix series to come back and play this part. Wouldn't that be cool? But then the problem is, well, how do we have this awesome guy in it and then not have him become, in a movie that we're already bringing in all of these characters, be that one too many? Uh, now, McKenna goes on to say, the, the fear was, why wouldn't he show up in Act 3 if we have two and three scenes with him? So we've really tried to limit him. We had other scenes with him, but I, I, people started fearing they'd be expecting Daredevil to show up. I'm going to interrupt you and say that is the gospel right there, because if we would have gotten gotten a, a court scene mm. and, you know, Charlie Cox is there as Matt Murdock mm. doing five minutes of lawyering, mm -hmm. I would have bet an appendage mm -hmm. that he would have showed up at the end as Daredevil. There's no way you can just use him as a, a lawyer in this scene. But the fact that he was only in that brief meeting mm -hmm. of his client and then he catches the brick that was thrown through the window and he says his one line and then he's gone for the rest of the movie and it moves so quick, mm -hmm. you even forget to look in the rearview mirror and go, oh, that's right, he was in it just a minute ago. And uh, I think they made a smart choice there. As much as I would love to see more Charlie Cox, mm -hmm. it would have been the distraction from the main thrust of the story, and we needed it to move forward at the pace that it did for it to be as as wonderful as it was. So, good choice made by them. Go ahead and continue with the quotes on why they're uh, why they agree that they're right as well. Okay, thank you. Just saved me reading three paragraphs here. Uh, on the other hand, we wanted to circle back to our year end show where we had Matthew Graykin on from the Disney's Marvels podcast. I want to say. Yeah, they just got to get a, an us in there, Disney Us Marvels, and I, th I think that they've got a, a special-sounding podcast. Mm. Maybe that's just me. Okay. Now, Matthew had mentioned something as part of, of that show that you circled back on and, and wanted to bring up as part of today's show, right? Yeah, and this is going to refer back to the Hawkeye series and the ending of that when uh, the Kingpin is, is talking with Maya about, eh, we're family, and she's got a gun pointed at him. And then she pulls the trigger, and, it you know, we don't see what happens. We just assume that the kingpin's dead. And then at that time, uh, you had said that there was a deleted scene that they were going to put in where it's like the kingpin is back at his desk, and the guy, you know, some henchman comes and says something, and he says something back, and that's the end. Mm -hmm. And it was like the little button that goes at the end, and they decided not to do that because it was Christmas and holiday show, and they needed a uplifting and bright ending, which was Hawkeye reuniting with his family, not the the end with Kingpin. Mm -hmm. And to me, it, it just sounded all so convoluted and silly mm -hmm. and made up and, and full of hogwash. Mm -hmm. And uh, it turned out that uh, Matthew had sent me uh, something from a Daredevil run from 1998. And it's essentially exactly what we described. It's got the Kingpin talking to Maya. She's got a gun to his head. The caption says, blam. It's all black after that where there's there's nothing. And then the next frame is uh, a henchman coming to talk to Kingpin. But now he's got two bandages taped over his eyes. Ooh. And I don't quite understand how one bullet takes out Two eyes with, I, I mean, the, the round trip scenario for that is just crazy because it's kind of, I think, got to go through a skull and brain and ricochet back out the other side. I, I have no, you had no idea why he's got bandages over his eyes, but the scenes that that they were that they were 
had cut out mm-hmm. came straight from a, a Daredevil run in 1998. And apparently, Kingpin, after several issues, recovered his sight and is back to the kingpin of of New York City that we know and love today. Hmm. And that was just a temporary phase that he had gone through, which kind of is ironic that, you know, Daredevil is a a blind character, so his nemesis to be blind for a certain while gives him the point of view of what Daredevil was going through. And I I think that's kind of cool for the villain to undergo that. And uh, yeah, so anyway, what what didn't make any sense before it came straight from the comics, Mm -hmm. and uh, now we know better. Thanks, Matthew, for pointing that out and digging up that little nugget. Cool, cool. Okay. And speaking of intriguing little nuggets, Summers and McKenna, again, as part of their this interview in Variety, talked about the fact that if things had gone according to plan and the pandemic hadn't screwed up things at Marvel Studios, and uh, more to the point, if Scott Derrickson, who was the director of the original Doctor Strange, hadn't decided to walk away from Multiverse of Madness in uh, January of 2020... There was a time when Multiverse of Madness was was supposed to precede No Way Home into theaters. That could be a good reason why that there's been a heck of a lot of reshoots that were unexplained recently. Because if people are asking Spider-Man questions about and and uh, the Multiverse of Madness is now a follow-up, a, a kind of quasi sequel to that mm-hmm. in the MCU timeline. That might require some. Hey, by the way, we got to answer this question real quick. What used this moment that used to come before Spider Man's craziness is now after, and that does have an effect on how the story is told or understood. This is one of these things I'm hoping we learn more as we get either deleted scenes from uh, No Way Home, or for that matter, once Multiverse of Madness arrives in theaters later this year. But here's, again, Summers and McKenna talking about when they first started working on their script for Spider-Man No Way Home. McKenna said, we were actually working off of things that happened in Doctor Strange 2, and we're trying to incorporate them into our script. When we started writing No Way Home, Strange knows firsthand the dangers of screwing up things in the multiverse. But when the multiverse got pushed off to 2022, and we found out that No Way Home would be arriving in theaters ahead of that Doctor Strange sequel, that then allowed us to reimagine Stephen Strange as someone who didn't know all that much about the multiverse, which then made it that much more frightening to have his character start fooling around with these things because it's the fear of the unknown. What was great about Multiverse of Madness now following No Way Home into theaters is it now allowed Doctor Strange to be the voice of reason in our movie. And the other thing, and I, again, I don't know if you saw this piece of concept art that bubbled up over the weekend, but if Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness had arrived in theaters ahead of, of Spider-Man No Way Home, that's where we would have met Sochil Chavez's character uh, from that Sam Raimi movie, America Chavez, a.k.a. Miss America. Now, what do you know about Miss America? Not a darn thing. Okay. Uh, Well, I I did a little research on this Marvel character, and she's bulletproof, flame retardant, has superhuman durability, and can even survive in the vacuum of space unaided. But her big trick, evidently, is that she's able to traverse the multiverse. Well, she's just the Swiss army knife of superheroes, isn't she? She's got it all. Supposedly, the idea was that she gets introduced in Multiverse of Madness. And this is the interesting thing about 
the piece of concept art that showed up just this past weekend that was done for the this early, early iteration of No Way Home. It shows Miss America in what looks to be the basement of the uh, Sanctum Sanctorum, that, that space where we saw those magical cells created that held Doc Ock and the lizard and the like. Right, yep. But it's Miss America with Ned and MJ and uh, Tom Holland's version of Peter Parker, but also they all kind of look shocked because who's just arrived on the scene but Tobey Maguire's version of Peter Parker as well as Andrew Garfield's version of Peter Parker, that she was the one who was going to to open the portal rather than uh, Ned and bring these characters into the story. I know if we ever get a chance to interview either Eric Summers or uh, Chris McKenna, mm-hmm. uh, I got to ask which of the two is the the Portal fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a video game called Portal, mm-hmm. and the whole point is you you put Portal A on one wall and you put Portal B on the other, and you and you pass from one to the other. My daughter Alice loves that game, so yes. it's it's a wonderful game and yep. terribly hysterically funny. The cake is a lie, by the way. There we go. And yes. uh, <laughs> yeah, so if you if you know the cake is a lie, good for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you save a lot of time chasing cake. Yep. But uh, anyway, yeah. The when I saw that that fight between Doctor Strange and Spider Man in the mm-hmm. beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. I was like, one of these two has played an awful lot of Portal. <laughs> and uh, they said, wouldn't it be fun if we did this for a scene? And they went, oh, yeah, let's do that. Mm-hmm. And then they just did their own uh, portal gag for like two or three minutes while, while Strange and Spidey battled one another. And it was an awesome fight, and I can't wait to get it on home video and watch it over and over again. Well, that, that's an excellent line of questioning. We'll have to pursue that idea. Speaking of, of Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, and again, another image that bubbled up over, over online this past weekend. Did you see the, the picture of, of Andrew and Tobey that was taken on the opening night of Spider-Man No Way Home when, when these two snuck into a screening? Were they wearing like baseball hats hung low and and you know hoods up and trying to be incognito, or were they in tuxedos? No, uh, no, be, you, 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 stars? you, what were they doing? You got it in one. Garfield uh, says, you know, I snuck into a theater on opening night and watched with my baseball cap and my mask. In fact, I was also with Toby, and he snuck into the theater together. No one knew we were there. Well, not entirely true. That there's this photo that the theater employee took of the two of them after the screening because. They were only there to see their scene, but the the interesting thing is they kind of got sucked into the movie and stayed for the whole thing, which, I, again, I, I, I just kind of enjoyed the the story, and one of the points, a great picture of the, the two of them. Okay, a couple of little other odd bits and pieces here. Earlier today, news broke. Bill Murray was on the Eli Manning show. He previously revealed that he's in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, Based on what he said on the Eli Manning show, he plays a bad guy in that movie. And what wasn't Kang the Conqueror supposed to be the bad guy? Or I mean, he could be involved or part of, or he could be the overarching villain for the team-up movie at the end, the way that Thanos was. Uh, okay. Uh, we we really don't know what Marvel's got planned, and 
you know, the fact is, whenever we've tried to predict it, we've all been wrong, so it doesn't matter anyway. We just got to wait and see what they give us. This is very true. Okay, that Peyton Reed film isn't due in theaters till July 28, 2023, so we have a, a bit of a wait before we find out who Bill Murray is actually playing. On the other hand, last November, we got word that Marvel Studios was developing a Halloween special for Disney+. Plus a one that would supposedly feature the characters from Werewolf by Night, that, that, that comic book series. I had to look that up because I had mistakenly thought it was the, the werewolf character that J. Jonah Jameson's son ended up becoming, mm-hmm. which was not. That was like Man-Wolf or something like that. It doesn't matter. It was wrong. In uh, Werewolf by Night, you know, you want to the, the guy who uh, becomes the werewolf, what, what his Peter Parker name is when he's not a werewolf. Okay. Who's... Oh, you're going to love this, Jim. Mm-hmm. His his first name is Jack. Mm-hmm. His second name is Russell. Jack Russell. <laughs> bite your ankle, bite your ankle, bite your ankle. Werewolf. <laughs> Jack Russell. Okay. Well, it, it, it's nice knowing that at least we can distract this one with a with a tennis ball. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> go, go get it. Okay. The wow. least menacing werewolf ever. Just lick your ankle until it's tired and passes out. Yeah. Okay. I have a, a number of friends who actually have Jack Russell Terriers, and they, they talk about you get home at night and you experience the Jack attack. Or, or Have you heard of this? Where and they, they charge you. and oh, yeah. They are coiled springs masquerading as dogs, and you have to play with them for like 20 minutes before they'll finally, okay, you can put down, I will allow you into the house now. If anyone remembers how Hobbes used to pounce on Calvin when he got home from school, <laughs> you know exactly what we're talking about right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, anyway, Werewolf by Night, uh, we learned uh, early this week that Nevers star Laura Donnelly has reportedly joined Gail Garcia Bernal in the cast of this show, which is production supposed to begin later this spring. Question now is, are we going to see Werewolf by Night show up on Disney Plus for Halloween of 2022 or Halloween of 2023. And by the way, speaking of Disney Plus, it is now time to talk about Marvel's Eternals and Aaron's take on this film, uh, which we will do after this brief commercial break. Quick follow up on last week's feature piece about Hugh Jackman and his rep for being one of the nicest guys in the show business. We actually had. Uh, a former 20th Century Fox employee reached out with, with this story from the spring of 2013. And this is when they're up in Montreal uh, shooting X-Men Days of Future Past. And Hugh Jackman evidently actually paid for extra catering for the cast and the crew of this film because he found a restaurant in Canada that actually made Australian food the way he liked it. And it's like, I followed up and sadly did not get a response as to the effect of what does one serve at an Australian restaurant? It's definitely not like Outback because I, I used to know several Australians yep. and uh, they would mock everything that we knew about Australia as being Australian. Like the Paul Hogan throw a shrimp on the Barbie mm-hmm. thing. It was all BS. And like the uh, the beer 
was like Foster's Australian for beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they're like Foster's is piss. <laughs> Victorian bitters is the where it's at. If I if I ever see an Australian drinking Foster's, I will shoot myself in the face. And it was like, wow, that's a strong opinion about that. Uh, yeah. So whatever like was going on at Outback Steakhouse mm-hmm. truly was not Australian. And uh, Hugh Jackman would probably would have been severely disappointed by that and needed to find a place that did it their way. And I don't know if they were serving kangaroos and koalas, whatever. It made him feel at home and good for, for him for finding that spot in Canada of all places. Because uh... when I think of Australia, I think of the frozen mountains of Canada. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, and speaking of performers, celebrities that have... Reputation of very polite, personable, and professional. Marvel fans evidently really like Selena Gomez as well, because there's a petition online right now asking that Marvel Studios consider Ms. Gomez for Jessica Drew's alter ego, Spider-Woman. Do you know her from the comics at all, or...? Absolutely, and the most unfortunate thing about that news is I can totally see it. That's great. Let's do it now. Let's make that happen. Book it. Well, there we Feige, go. We've got we've got one solved, <laughs> one future problem that may have been on your checklist. We have an answer for you, and it is Selena Gomez. Wow. Moving on. Yeah. Okay. Well, the speaking of problems that have been addressed, we we talked on a recent show about how Morbius got moved from I want to say a January twenty eighth release date to April first. And then just this past week we saw Disney decide that Pixar's upcoming animated feature Turning Red would now be a Disney Plus release. And with these sorts of things going on, and of course going on with the Omicron surge and all that, Warner Media CEO uh, Jason Kilar got asked about Matt Reeves' The Batman movie, which uh, right now still has a release date set for March 4th. Batman is uh, supposed to open the theaters on March 4th and then turn up on HBO on April 19th. Kellar flat out said, look, we're certainly paying attention to everything that's going on with Omicron, but we feel good about that date right now, but we're going to watch it day by day. So you got to assume exhibitors are not happy to hear that. Yeah, but you also have like uh, what I would consider uh, rush hour traffic at O'Hare Airport, but the runway is clear for you, Batman. You know what I mean? Nobody is landing at that moment in time and you can just eat up all the screens and all of the money and all of the attention because there's nothing else there. And that may not be the world's worst thing because there are a significant number of people who are vaccinated and feel Mm -hmm. fine going into a theater without any hesitation. So Mm -hmm. let them spend their money. Okay. Okay. No, I mean, that's definitely a solid point of view there. So now, The Eternals, which you watch today, all two hours and 37 minutes of it. And at the top of the show, you talked about how you want to celebrate this movie. Yeah, well, it starts off with Pink Floyd's time. Mm -hmm. And I am a Pink Floyd fan for music in the same way that I am a Spider-Man fan for comics. It doesn't get any better. So right off the bat, when we're opening up a Marvel movie with a Pink Floyd tune, <laughs> I am all in. I am, I am sold with everything you're giving me after that. I kept asking how this franchise was going to continue with Sprite being a character that remains ageless and like you know looks like she's 12 or 13 years old or whatever. And uh, 
you know, when when someone ages from forty to forty five as a, as a real life actor, this is not this is no big deal. I mean, Paul Rudd still looks like he's thirty for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. But when you're a kid and you age from twelve to seventeen, those same five years can be a drastic difference in how you look as a human being. And I'm like, how's this kid? You know, this is a good actor. I don't want her getting written off the show because she aged. You know, what's going to happen? And they had a, an answer for that. And it was the silliest darn thing, but it was like, hey, I have some magical energy. No definition, no description of how it works. Just, you know, touch my hand and, and your wish will come true. And it's like, okay, good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't really need to know how the magic of the thing works. Because, you know, as they say, the most advanced technology looks like magic. We'll just assume it's fancy technology, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, but I was I was glad that they addressed it in the script so the actor can uh, the actress can age, and as the movies progress, uh, we can you know carry on with the story and not feel like going hey wait a minute plot hole why do you look five years older uh, when you're supposed to have been thirteen for the last five thousand years anyway uh, moving beyond that Gilgamesh and his gauntlets Jim is that not the Infinity Gauntlet. I mean, if if you pause it, go ahead and when you go to Disney Plus, mm-hmm. go to any point where Gilgamesh starts fighting, mm-hmm. and when he clenches his fist, you have a little circle on every knuckle, including the thumb knuckle, and you also have a circle on the back of the hand where all the stones would go, mm-hmm. and then it's got intricate like design and pattern engraved into it in similar places as the Infinity Gauntlet. I think there's a connection there. Okay. I don't know what and I don't know how. I can't explain it. Mm-hmm. But watch it again. Pay attention to Gilgamesh whenever he makes a fist in a battle. Pause it. You will see the outline of a of an Infinity Gauntlet. Swear to God. Hmm. So, yeah. that Put that in the file for later review, everybody. The thing I kept feeling as I was watching The Eternals is like there is so much here that seems significant because that's the way Chloe Zhao directs. Mm-hmm. And it's just sort of like, okay, what's eventually going to pay off? What do I need to pay attention to? You need to pay attention to all of it because your main complaint was how long it was. Yes. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I considered as I was watching it is what can get cut. Yep. And there are moments in the movie where I start thinking, well, this can go. And then later on, I'm like, oh, no, needed that to set up this. And this is important, you know, so we can't get rid of that. It was like the thing with Thena. Mm-hmm. My question was, do we need her playing a chaotic neutral role? Mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons style where she can go either way, good or bad, mm-hmm. based on a, a, a crazy Jekyll and Hyde scenario. Mm-hmm. Because we do have villains to face. Do we need this extra thing? But the thing was based on her madness, and the madness was based on the fact that there are memories that they didn't have access to, Mm -hmm. and the fact that she was recalling these memories, uh, so she could say that this planet was destroyed. I mean, it all fit in. It was like these little jigsaw puzzle pieces. I mean, you've got 10 different characters, for crying out loud, that all have to be important. If they're not important to the story, they're going to get written out eventually. And so the only way to to not get written out was to be essential to the plot. You're going to make me watch this thing again, aren't you? Yeah, because, I mean, it's actually a very, very thoughtful movie. Okay, so, you know, Drug has has mind control. And, you know, I mean, if you wanted to, you could condense two characters into one and Mm -hmm. just say this person has this ability and that ability. Uh, Makari can run fast. And apparently she had invented American Sign Language 5,000 years ago. 
and okay. has just taught it to us over the years. Uh, okay. Okay. That's that's how I'm gonna. Otherwise, we got a plot hole there. But uh, Icarus is our Superman in a Marvel skin, mm-hmm. right? He yep. flies. He's got his laser eyes. Uh, no sign of freezing breath. But beyond that, mm-hmm. I mean, if you had a cape, and by the way, that blue looks really good. By the way, DC Zack Snyder. <laughs> Hint, hint. Blue's a pretty color. I'm just going to say that. Blue's a okay. darn pretty color, and it okay. looked good on Icarus. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I kept every time he, he appeared on the screen, I'm like, gosh, that blue is pretty. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Kingo, okay, so look, he's got finger guns mm-hmm. for a power. He just points and he does a pew-pew, and lightning, you know, balls of light come out. And I think that it, what could have been the corniest, dumbest thing in the world comes off as cool because it's Kumail Nanjiani. Yeah. Right, I would watch all of his Bollywood films in a heartbeat. <laughs> Whatever that character okay. was putting out, I love the music. I love the dancing. I love that segment. Now, here's where I, I was going to say there a couple of things as far as the look. I like that the ship is a giant triangle. It's so just simple. It, it's anti-Star Wars. Star Wars, you'd put 10,000 Greeblies on the sides of that to make little pipes and hoses and valves and things. Mm-hmm that look important, that do things, this is flat. And I think that was a bold choice because everybody would go, ah, it's too simple looking. But here it looks rather stunning, you know, this this triangular ship they've got. And the, the nighttime scenes never felt like they were hiding bad visual effects because the visual effects were perfectly clear and there was no shaky cam to hide bad choreography or effects because the camera was steady. So that's one thing where I'm I'm looking for the faults and I'm not seeing it because even in the darkest scenes, you can see the details and the details look good. Everything looked fine. Now, the the twists and turns that I thought were actually really brilliant, you realize the deviants are not so bad as we thought uh, from humanity's overall point of view and that the Eternals are actually kind of the bad guys. However, we as an audience discover this at the exact same time as our quote-unquote heroes discover it, and then they end up having a debate amongst themselves about what makes them good or what makes them bad. Do you let the Earth perish and do your job that you were actually created for? Or do you save humanity? And, and if you save humanity, that prevents other stars and other planets and other life forms, prevents it from ever happening. So that's kind of selfish in, in this sort of way. And so it reminded me of the old psychology problem of, of this morality test that your teacher gives you. Mm-hmm. Your father is tied to a train track and the oh. train is moving forward and you can pull a lever and go to another track where you'll hit 10 strangers instead. And there's no right or wrong answer, but what do you do? Do you save your father, the one, the one individual, because you love them as a person or, or, and plow over 10 strangers? Or do you save 10 strangers because the number is greater than one? Yes, yes. I'm I'm trying to think of the uh, the good place. The good place actually yeah, with they did Ted Danson. You know, and what was lovely is they they made it uh, instead of an abstract. I want to say Chewy, the, the the character there actually had to mm-hmm. drive the trolley multiple sure, times. Yeah. It was a, a, yeah. a wonderful bit. But now the question is, like you as an audience member, once you discover this information, you have to discover where your moral compass points to, which track it, it points to, before you can decide who you root for for the rest of this movie. Because the team splits. What mm-hmm. used to be all heroes are now either good guys or bad guys, depending on where, where your moral compass shifts to. If you think that, you know, if your vote Thanos was right, 
and humanity should have been wiped out. Uh, that, and so that hundreds and thousands of new planets and new life forms can exist, well, then you're with the, the celestials and the, uh, and the eternals that, that fracture, that want this egg to hatch, mm-hmm. so to speak. And uh, it's so much more complex than bad man twirls mustache wants to take over world or get all the monies, mm-hmm. right? It's, there's more nuance. There's more thought. And you as an audience member have to morally participate to root for a team after this. And, uh, and then getting to the end, that, that whole uh, scene with Tiamat coming out of the ocean. Yeah. That whole sequence, the and then where you get Arishem mm-hmm. at the end, where he, he shows up in the clouds, uh, you know, over the horizon of the planet, and then he pulls her out into space, and he's massive next to the Earth, and he says that he's going to do judgment. I was terrified. Like, I knew he wasn't going to crush the planet at that moment, but that thing is so massive. How do you stop it? You can't. If he put his hand down on the planet, it would wipe out all of North and South America together at once, right? From a visual effects point of view, the birthing out of the Indian Ocean, yeah. stunning set piece. And and you're not wrong. Scale. That image of him, what I love about that is the kinetics when he sort of leans in to the planet and you actually watch the clouds push out to either side of his face because he's disturbing the atmosphere. It's a great visual and it's a wonderful button for the story. It makes you go, okay, what happens next? But now you got me thinking when I saw this thing, I drove out late November, you know, found a, you know, like a 7.30 screening and there were literally four of us in the theater. And, they, you know, and that, that's the thing. When you have only four people in a theater, there was no right. energy. There was, I mean, it was this blank void. And now I'm wondering, you know, but, but see. I mean, I watched it in my living room by myself at there we 4 go. o'clock in All the right, morning. So, so it had nothing to do with energy. It was, I, I was very invested in what they were trying to tell me in this movie because I was looking at it with, mm-hmm. with oh, I, I'm, I'm going to catch you. What would mm-hmm. you do wrong? Mm-hmm. And I'm looking for it, and I'm not seeing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, after a while, it's, I just let the movie be the movie, and, and there are times where I'm like, this makes no sense. This could totally get cut. And then later on, I'm like, it pays off. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I guess that, that needs to be there. And, and when I got done with the whole complete package, I'm like, it, it all really needed to be there to tell the story. And, and when you've got that many characters... Mm-hmm. You have to give them something to do, otherwise they get taken out in the script. The Eternals did not do all that well at the box office. I mean, worldwide, $400 million. Freshness rating of 47 over at Rotten Tomatoes, and, and that's significantly lower than the previous lowest-marked Marvel film, which was Thor The Dark World. They got a 66% freshness rating. But on the other hand, just today, I mean, literally two hours before Aaron and I started recording, Marvel announced, in collaboration with Webtoon, is an all-new series featuring the Eternals, a seven-issue series entitled Eternals, The 500-Year War, which will be available through the Marvel Unlimited exclusive Infinity Comics or Digital Readers. 500-Year War will spotlight the immortal superhero group during its past encounters with its mortal enemies, the Deviants. As we see them locked in battle, we'll get to see the Eternals interact with different cultures of the human race through cultural artifacts that are gifted to them. 
And so this isn't something that, that Marvel is walking away from. If, if anything, they're leaning into it. If we, we go just by the two post-credit scenes, or for that matter, the giant figure looming over the planet, that seriously, when you saw that uh, Galactus, is, is that uh, who... Yeah, okay, so when, when uh, Erishem yeah. makes comes up to the planet and, and he does his little speech about judgment, I immediately do want to see Galactus, mm -hmm. and so much so, I, I've started to exercise. It's a little program I've got called Sit-Ups for Galactus, so I can ho hopefully extend my life long enough that I can see this movie happen at some point. Uh, so far, I'm up to one sit-up. Mm. Um, but the, the <laughs> show just came out today, Jim. It just came out okay. today, and so the program is just starting. It's in its infancy, if you will. Okay, okay. But, I, I, you know, on, on Twitter, we'll do the hashtag uh, sit-ups for Galactus. Everybody at home can play along and tell me your score. How many sit-ups have you done? Okay. So you can stay alive long enough to see Galactus on the big screen. I love this idea. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I may join you for this. Also, as a longtime Patton Oswalt fan, you know, the, the oh, fact, yeah. you know, he turned up and, and that, what did you make, oh, you finally got to see or hear Maharshala uh, uh, Ali? What, uh, well, before we get to that, mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to say uh, we've, we've got some praising and some damning okay. com coming up ahead here. The praising is that if you watch... The Eternals on Disney Plus. Mm -hmm. When the credits start rolling, the button pops up that says skip credits. And if you push it, it takes you straight to the button. And then after the button's over, the credits start up. And then another button comes up, goes skip credits. And you hit it again, and it takes you to the, the last button. Oh. And so Disney Plus is, is aware mm -hmm. that people want to see those little end credit scenes. And they're not going to make you sit through the credits every single time. You can now... Just click, click with the button and skip over that to get right to the good stuff and not have to search. Where's it at? Where's it at? Where's it at? Where's it at? Uh, yeah, it just takes you right to it. So praise there. Damnation mm -hmm. for not having Mahershala Ali on screen. Mm. That was the biggest mistake in the whole wide world because I am certain uh, 100% of the audience, people that worked on the damn film, mm. didn't know who that was. Uh, because Marvel keeps everything a secret, right? If you're not involved in it, you don't need to be on set that day. Get out of here. And so, and the fact that he's voice only, was he even actually there? Did they send him a, a, an iPad to his home and make him hide under a blanket and read that line into the microphone and send the iPad back? And that was how they got grabbed that line because he didn't need to be there to do that. But uh, nobody knew that was that was Blade speaking, mm -hmm. except the director. And she told everybody in an interview after the movie came out, oh, by the way, that's Mahershala Ali. And everyone went, okay, cool. And she went, by the way, he's playing Blade. And they went, what? Oh, my God, that's crazy. That's dope. Tell me more. And there is no more. They should have, darn it, Marvel, you're so good at planning ahead and connecting your stuff. Mm -hmm. But you really should have had your costume lined up and had an idea visually of where Blade could be in this moment. He doesn't have to be in his vampire-killing outfit right now because he's paying a, a visit to someone about a sword. So he can be a little bit more casual-looking, but they should have had a look for Blade, and they should have put Mahershala Ali on screen and and even said had the guy turn around and go, hey, aren't you the vampire hunter, the daywalker? You know, and left it at that. 
I went to Disney Plus today myself. I was actually looking for the assembled. I was kind of hoping that they'd have a documentary in much the style of the one they did for Black Widow and Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings that gave you a better understanding of the challenges that were faced while, you know, filming this and the various locations and that sort of thing. And I'm sure, well, they also had Book of Boba Fett released today as well. So uh, they're probably looking for the window where there isn't enough content probably where they can true. plug that in probably and go, hey, true. is there a little Marvel drought? Where, where's that thing that we had about Eternals? And I'm sure Hawkeye could use one. Didn't, did we get one yet? I that? have not seen one for yeah. that yet. But yeah. So we got two that were owed Marvel. Okay. Owed by the way, mm-hmm. I want to emphasize the word owed, Marvel. <laughs> they no longer have a choice in their programming. Uh, they just have to uh, bow to our whims. <laughs> Damn it. Okay, so I guess I know what I'm doing this evening after I watched uh, episode three of Boba Fett. Uh, you know, circling back on the Eternals, because, uh, again, you've, you brought up some... Some excellent points and some, some, you know, some real insights as to how this story potentially, you know, uh, unfolds further and down the line into the MCU. Um, but Well, it also means that the Eternals that we meet in the future aren't necessarily going to be either good or bad, depending on their programming. They're, mm-hmm. they're there to hatch planet-sized eggs mm-hmm. and uh, let whatever happens happen. And so, you know, some may be okay. I'm fine with my job here at the factory. Mm-hmm. I have no intention of leaving my job because it's got good health benefits. <laughs> I'm, I'm eternal. I need a good doctor for that. We live a long time. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, I, I want it to be four years from now. And it's like, oh, that's why you did that. Or that's why they did you know, it's just I'm 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 greedy that way. I, I you know I want it all now. I want phase four and phase five now. I I don't think that's too much to ask. No, I want I want Fantastic Four news. I want casting news. I want. Uh, by the way, there should be some new Sandman news. Neil Gaiman. I know he listens to the show, so sometimes I have to speak directly to him as well. Well, that, that, that's a tears hoping that Neil gets back to us. So, <laughs> Anyway, um, I guess that's going to do it for this week, folks. But, but again, Aaron, thank you so much. And for those of you who want even more Aaron Adams, where can they find you in the social media sphere? Well, I only exist on Twitter. But uh, I love a good old-fashioned flash mob, so this week what I'd like is that uh, if all of our listeners can coordinate and all at the exact same time, I'm saying like Tuesday around 7.13 p.m. Eastern time, everybody like my page right at that moment. Make sure you set your watch to the naval Okay, clock. I'm writing that down now. It's, um, it's going to be in a most entertaining flash mob where I just see a number jump from like a uh, hundred to a hundred and four. It'll be nice. I'll be very, very happy to welcome those four new people in that amazing flash mob. Okay, there we right. go. For us on the social media sphere. Now you can like your page anytime, right? By the way, you don't, you don't restrict your hours of operation. I don't know. I feel like liking is a lot of pressure. You know, it is. just sort of it is. just he's okay. Yeah, I mean, if they had it, he's an okay button. I might hit that. <laughs> so it's where they got the hand doing the eh, back and forth. No, that's, that's it so, exactly. Okay. Well, anyway, you can social media wise, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram is Jim Hill Media, and over on Facebook is Jim Hill Media News. If you could do Aaron and I a favor, folks, uh, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts 
and rate and recommend the show you're listening to right now. Uh, that would be helpful. If you really, really, really like what you heard here and want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, uh, also want to remind you we have a couple other podcasts here. Uh, we have uh, Fine Tuning that I do with Drew Taylor. Uh, likewise, we have The Mothership Disney Dish, which I do with Len Testa. And in fact, we're going to be recording a new show tomorrow that will feature a look at the Iron Man experience uh, from uh, Hong Kong Disneyland. So, Is he going to be off the boat by that time tomorrow? <laughs> or is he still on the boat when you talk to him? I, Can you get internet at sea? I, you know, Nancy w- was pointing out the very same thing. There was a lovely social media photo of the two, he and Laurel on the beach. So yeah, I, I, I am hoping that uh, at the very least, he brought his tinfoil hat and a coat hanger. So, you know, that, that you know, uh, maybe he can connect to the Internet from that. But we will sure. see. We will see. Okay. Uh, and speaking of, of seeing you, folks, we'll see you next week with a brand new Marvelous Disney. But thanks for listening. And on behalf of Aaron Adams and myself, have a good evening. <laughs>